Welcome to Sober Holic, a podcast about Christian recovery, where each week we explore topics that can free you from bondage and strengthen your relationship with God, others, and yourself. Now, your show hosts, Roger and Jason. Hello, my name is Roger. I'm in studio with Jason, and we have a special guest coming in in just a few minutes. Yes. So, what you think about it? What do I think? I'm excited. I love having guests because I, I, I get tired of talking just to you. Well, that <laughs> that, that hurts. <laughs> that, that hurt the heart a little here. Um, and, to th- and to think I'm your sponsor of all people, and you don't want to talk to me. No, I want to talk it to you. It shows that you're, very, you. you're a horrible sponsor. Is what I this, call this you explains. all the time. Well... I call you a pretty good bit. So you just lied on air. No, I mean inside I of a church by by that. <laughs> no, I do call it. I call. Yep. I'm afraid. The, now I'm gonna call you like thirty times it, a day. We might we might burst in flames here in just a moment. <laughs> now, um, so anyways, um, I, I am excited. Um, anytime we have a testimony coming here and to get to hear uh, recovery stories, um, I as we're t- kind of joking around, we we kind of know each other a lot, so we've we've shared that back and forth a lot. And um, but to hear other people come in and share their story, it's cool. You know, even yeah. when I first started in recovery. Um, I started in AA. We've said this many times, but uh, one of my favorite meetings was te- uh, testimonies. They would come and share on our group. It was on Tuesdays. They would come and share testimonies. And I didn't really care for the sharing stuff. I didn't want to talk, as weird as that sounds, doing a podcast now. Never wanted to really talk any. Um, but when people would come up and share their story, I was like, man, I get I get that. I can relate with what they're saying. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what opened my eyes to recovery and say, if God could do that in their life, then maybe, maybe, <laughs> it was a big maybe, but maybe he could do it in my life. Oh, yeah, definitely. And today we have James Robinson. And this is a cool um, that James is here because, like, I think this was all, you know, this has the fingerprints of God all over it because me and James go to school together. We had a class together, or we got, we've had a couple classes together. And we just by chance, like in a in a random passing conversation uh, last semester, like he said something. I don't even remember what you said. You said something about recovery, and I was like, "What? I'm in recovery too." It wasn't like chronic recovery. No, no, not from that. No, I no, I knew what he meant. And so ever since then, I've really wanted to hear James' story. And so I was like, well, we might as well record it, you know, while I hear it. So, I mean, I'm just as looking forward to, to this story as, as the listeners are. So it's just as just as fresh to you as it is me. Here. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, so. Well, James, let's hear it, man. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, usually what we get people to say is kind of what happened um, um, or what it was like, what happened, and kind of what's, what it's like now. Sure thing. I, I think you just... You recognize me at uh, it'd be, I just had that look of somebody. No. That like, <laughs> that's what it is. Hey, I saw the tattoos. Guy. I saw the tattoos. I got, tattoos. I got them too. I got that, that look in my eyes. Somebody that's been there. No. <laughs> no, no. Seriously. Thanks for having me, guys. Um, well, what it was like, I guess, um, when I was growing up, I grew up in a Christian home, a good home, loving mom and dad. And I was insecure. I was late to grow I hit puberty late and I wanted to be a great athlete and all of my peers grew up much they just grew up mm. and um I remember wrestling in ninth grade I wrestled in the 103 pound you're looking at me now I'm a big old dude and so um one thing I could uh do really well was rock climb and we would go up to the bluffs and climb but I always felt 
even then that there was kind of a hole or something missing. And, uh, I, and it, it wasn't anything that my parents did because I had a great upbringing. So it's not like, you know, my dad drove me to do this and I felt, in, you know, inferior. Um, I just was not a happy kid at all. Mm. And so um, anyway, like most of my um, – and, and some other things happened. I had a sister who had a neuroblastoma and ended up dying um, in April of 1998. During that time, I have very young parents. We're, my dad and I are 20 years apart. Oh, wow. My mother and I were only 17 years apart. And so uh, and a few months after Karen died, or actually about 18 months, my mother died of uh, kidney cancer. And so that was very, very tough. Uh, but but that's, that's ahead of the game. Let me back up. So um, I went to college like everybody else, and I think we were just discussing – um, I always wanted to go to Yosemite. So I dropped out of college and moved out to the Valley and didn't know anybody at all. And, uh, I remember, this is an interesting story. <clears throat> I remember I met a guy and we were going to go climb this climb called Braille book. And, uh, I think it's named that because of the, the, the way it was. It's about a 510. The crux was, I think, 510D or something. And I remember on the way up, <clears throat> we were swinging leads. It was probably five pitches or so maybe and i remember about two pitches in i got sewing machine leg my leg just started oh yeah shaking really oh, badly yeah. and it was and this is the reason i wasn't used to the heights and everything i'd been climbing was 20 feet or so now i'm climbing things hundreds of feet sometimes thousands of feet and so I told him I had a cramp in my leg, which was a lie. <laughs> and he knew it. And so we went back down. Yeah. And I remember walking, I, walked, I was walking around, uh, looking around that night. And I'll never forget. And I, was, I hadn't lived a good life. And I remember praying to God and asking forgiveness. And if I was going to die out here, I wanted to go to heaven. So I, forgive me for everything I've done, all the alcohol and the drugs and the way I've treated my parents. I mean, I was not a good kid growing up. I just wanted to get right with God because I knew if I fell, I was going to die. And after that, I mean, it was on. And so I met a fella um, who changed my life, who had direction and order. And he taught me a lot about discipline and rock climbing. And uh, we did a lot of climbs together, some big walls, um, even though we did El Cap, I have more memorable climbs. And one thing I like about rock climbing is it keeps you present. I don't really recall even summiting El Capitan. I do recall being stuck in a hand jam with my carabiner on backwards, trying to get some protection in on a crack, you know, right there in those moments. Or uh, being on something long and sustained like Serenity Crack, which is just beautiful and it's just finger locks one after the other so that was fantastic and uh, I miss him today he, he died in a fall later but with that I called my dad one day I said I'm going to come back to college and uh, he said well come on he's going to give me another chance and with the discipline that I learned in Yosemite thanks to my friend Cameron I took that to school and did really well and they ended up going to law school and my, my idea was I was going to finish college and go back to the valley and climb. <laughs> well, I did, and I met a. I decided to go to law school, and uh, had a bunch of kids and all that. 
Wait, when, when, what year were you in Yosemite? Uh, summer of 1988. Okay. okay. 88. Uh, many pounds ago. And so, um, so after we had kids, I got a job as a lawyer, all that. Um, so I, you passed the bar then? Passed the bar. I always first. ask that because I've, I've, I've learned that a lot of people say they're an attorney, but never passed the bar. Passed the bar on <laughs> the first try. Huh. That's, a big, that's a big accomplishment. And the goal was always to pass it by one point because that means you didn't study too much. You just got just right. <laughs> so I don't, I don't know. I pass it by a few points. But you know, got a good job as a lawyer. Ended up having four kids in five and a half years. And the hole in my heart and my soul was came back. Mm-hmm. And I began using drugs and alcohol. And whereas my wife, who was a wonderful soul, grew up and took care of the kids and became responsible. I kept going, you know, not coming home, working all the time, wasn't faithful, uh, drugs and alcohol. You know, I was, so we went to a psychologist and he told me I was addicted to escapism. He said, because I couldn't escape and go back to Yosemite. Well, I think the reason was, is the real reason is that hole was there. And, Nothing would satisfy me. And I would read philosophy, you know, the Stoic philosophy of the Plato, you know, read things and even even read the Bible occasionally. And so we'll just kind of fast forward is some things happened. Um, a lot of these things were made public and I made some really bad decisions um, as a result of drugs and alcohol, of thinking I was doing something that was right or doing something without thinking about it, and it ended up having huge consequences. So about four years ago, there were some things that happened. I got real depressed, tried to commit suicide, and almost did. And um, and unfortunately, that, that story is not all true, but it's on the Internet. Mm. You know, a lot of it is. And so I ended up going to – the reason why does it matter um, – I ended up going to prison. And while I was in Jefferson County Jail waiting to go to prison, um, there was nothing to read. I lost my job, my home, my marriage, everything. Everything. Really quick. Just really quick. And it was in jail that I began to study Scripture. I mean, read the Gospels. I've never really read the Bible. And I've always professed to be a Christian, but I never lived like it. And I remember reading and reading. I was reading to look for something to comfort me. That was the only reason. Right. Mm-hmm. And I remember one day, uh, and I read it so much, I was in prison two years, and I read the New Testament one time every week. So I read the New Testament probably 100 times wow. while I was locked up. And then the Old Testament and everything. But I remember in jail, Jefferson County, eight months, when it finally clicked, and it was like, uh, Peter in Acts chapter 2 when he's telling the Jews that they killed their Messiah and it said they were pricked to the heart and I remember where I was I was walking and it just dawned on me what Christ had done mm. and it just broke my heart and it was then that I, I knew that God had found me and that I was going to no matter what happened I was going to be able to get through it and good or bad and so I, then I really gave my life to Christ. And it was after that when I began to study, I just got 
enamored with theology and helping, you know, trying to help guys. And then was grateful to be able to go to uh, uh, Beeson Divinity School. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and they let me in, you know, but just grateful. And now God's got me here and, and uh, I'm working, helping homeless guys. And there's a lot of in-betweens that uh, I've left out. But I guess, uh, you know, what happened, you know, was never satisfied. And then uh, God found me and what happened now, I'm alive in Christ. I use that same um, analogy of just having a hole in my soul. I always never could feel it. And uh, for me, I was real resentful against God most of my life. And um, I may have used that fire insurance maybe like you did mm-hmm. there at the mountain. You know, just I didn't want to go to hell if there was a hell. But I didn't – there was really no – acting out my Christianity. I was never in church. And in fact, I would tell you you were stupid if you read the Bible. And But I was just ignorant is what it was. Mm-hmm. And I think you you said it, that you, mm-hmm. you just really never even read it. You just, it you know, just you professed it. just kind of washed it. over me. And yeah. I just never, you know, it was weird. I just, I could I could tell you John 3, 16. <laughs> right. That was about it. Well, I could stutter through it a little and bit. That was, yeah, yeah, really. Yeah. And then and once I started really reading it a lot, I remember at night, because prison is so loud i would just go back over what i'd read during the day and i was able to memorize a whole a lot of it so you you came to a saving faith you said there i guess in prison yes is that what happened and so um you mentioned you had a past with drugs and alcohol uh, and of course we just didn't get into all the details with that but obviously if you end up with prison there's a lot of things going on in your life correct but um so what happened? I mean, uh, did you just, you know, we talk, uh, Jason and I both went through a 12-step program, and that's kind of where we went back to our faith, um, or and we also kind of worked through kind of the, the mess from our past. Ha- have you done anything like that, or was it just uh, one of those moments? Well, it, bef- before that, um, I'd originally, I'd gotten sober in 2004 after going to a a million different rehabs. I drove a, my Ducati 996 to Sierra Tucson. <laughs> drove up to the, with the check to get in. Drove up to, to me five days. And during the day, because it gets so hot, I'd just drink. And then as the sun was going down, I'd ride my motorcycle. And I remember I went through the White Sands Missile Range at 13,000 RPMs for 30 miles without letting up. So 176 <laughs> miles an hour. Just dialed in, you know. Yeah. And uh wouldn't do that now, but I do ride a big motorcycle now. So anyway, um, but I was addicted to no spray. And this is how stupid my, or crazy my life is. So they said, well, we're not going to let you in. We'll get you off after a no spray. And I said, no, no. And so I ran my motorcycle. <laughs> I'm not giving up that. So, but I didn't want to ride back home on the Ducati. You know, I wish I'd had a big BMW or a Goldwing. So I looked at that bike. I'm like, you know, it's like sitting on a fence post. So I put it in a called a guy who put it in a van and shipped it home. Anyway, got on an airplane, went to a place in Atlanta, ended up leaving there, AMA. And so I tried a bunch of different rehabs, and it just, like, one every summer. And uh, I remember when I came back from Hazelden, really expensive place, um, I added the, uh, my drug, drug al- alcohol and cocaine was my thing. Mm-hmm. So I remember thinking, I can't do any cocaine anymore. That's unreasonable. But I can manage drinking. I remember mm-hmm. having a, a, a vodka and cranberry juice on the airplane on the way home. Thinking, well, I can manage alcohol, cocaine. I, I just 
crazy thinking. Mm -hmm. And so, yes, I've been through a million 12-step programs. I could recite the... I can recite them to you. I did a four-step mm -hmm. with the sponsor, all that. But it wasn't it's just my story. Right. It wasn't until Christ came down and just said, boom, I've taken all this to the cross. Stop it. And then that's when I quit worrying about James Robinson. You know, I, mm. the depression left, everything left. Because mm -hmm. I, even in prison, when, you know, I got in some fights in prison, you just got to, you get tested. And I remember just swinging because it didn't i didn't care if i got hit in the face mm -hmm. you know, it was weird mm -hmm. i cared about people right. but it was you know just a whole different feeling of knowing that i was saved and that i was loved by a god who died for me see that, that's an awesome story to me because so many times i hear just the 12 steps and that's that's way that it works and jason and i have talked they, there's times i've seen people inside of a church service go to the altar and they're then and there just after a prayer on um, their delivered they never drink again uh those stories are few and far between though usually mm -hmm. it, you you see a relapse after those um not always but you know you see that a lot and so it's cool to, to see that god is still working miracles just like that it's yeah. not always a 12-step program that brings it all together mm -hmm. uh, sometimes it's just meeting us where we're at and that's where we need to be and, and being aware of that and, and being open to to receive christ mm -hmm. in, in those moments so um since you've um, when did when did all this happen? Oh, and I'll say this would be in uh, 2017, the summer of 2017. And I want to say this too is my father is the greatest Christian example of a mm. man I've ever seen. And um, growing up, I could have followed his footsteps, and losing his his wife and his daughter. And my dad, and now he's my best friend, mm. and uh, he's been my best friend for a while, but we had our differences, my fault. But I would not be a Christian today if it wasn't for my father and the example that he leads and the example that he leads now. Mm. And, uh, you know, he lives in Anniston. I, I can't wait to see him every time. Mm. Uh, every time I go up, he's a federal judge of all things. Wow. Yeah, and, <laughs> uh, chief federal judge, actually. Oh, wow. But... um. He's just a wonderful, drives a Prius, you know, <laughs> play tennis in his house if you wanted to, but, uh, and drives a Prius, but, uh, he's just my best friend. I love him to death. Hmm. Um, plays the guitar a little bit. And so, uh, so, so if this happened, I have to give him credit is what I'm saying. I hear you. So this happened around 2017 when everything changed. Um, um you give your life to the Lord, um, Obviously, you, you made it out of prison or you wouldn't be sitting here talking and you're in college now. Is it Beeson y'all were at? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, but you said you were a house manager at Brother Brian now. Well, kind of the dorm captain. Okay. And uh, I've got a badge that says uh, weekend manager, but I'm really like the weekend guy. <laughs> I hear you. I mean, you know, I'm right now. But, um, but, but how, I mean, how, how did you end up there? Well, I didn't really have a place to go when I got out. I had some options, but they were not healthy options mm. and i remember wanting to or i just felt called to help people in s similar situations mm. especially younger people that i wanted to say you don't have to go through what i went through mm -hmm. and uh, i'll say this the directors there um have been so kind to me they mm -hmm. let me live there and go to school and so it's, and plus you know i'm around these guys and uh, my prayer is always that they'll see Christ in me mm. and I always have to 
ask God to correct myself. But it's a perfect situation. Mm-hmm. And I get to go to school. I'll live there. And when I get out, I'm getting a master's in theological studies. Mm-hmm. And um, I think you're getting an MDiv. Mm-hmm. But when I get out, which is a lot more intensive, Hebrew. And I had a friend of mine who's there. Um, he said, well, you ought as an elective, you know, allow them to take Hebrew and Greek. Like, why would I do that to myself? <laughs> There's a reason I'm in the mass program, right? So, um, but no, when I get out, I'm going to stay with them. And uh, I just love those guys. Yeah. So I felt like God has got me right where he wants me. And I've never felt that before. And, and, and when I'm listening to your story, I'm sitting there thinking, you did something different that I think is a huge piece of the puzzle in recovery. And that's when you get out of whether it's prison or jail or rehab, you knew you saw your options and you were like, these over here are not safe options. Yes. And because they're not gonna, they're not going to be conducive to me staying sober. Right. Right. Even though you were a Christian, you know, even though, you know, that had, that conversion had already taken place and all that, you still, you know, I, I see so many people stumble at that point. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? They they think that because um, 2 Corinthians 5.17 says I'm a new creature in Christ, that means that I'm, a, I'm not vulnerable mm. to those temptations anymore. And, um, you know, I, I really appreciate that part of your story because, like, I, you know, for me – um, this time when I got sober, that was one of the big things is when I got done with the rehab I was at, I stayed there for longer, wow. you know, um, just cause I knew I couldn't just go right back where I was, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, that's a, that's a, you're exactly right. And, uh, one thing I'll say is I've gotten so close to our, uh, our, uh, director of ministries, who's a Beeson grad and, uh, he and I are just buddies, mm-hmm. you know? And so it, it's nice to, i tell you what it's nice to, is when you see a man who's there and they come there because they have holes in their souls. As, uh, as our director says, it's really, drugs and alcohol are usually involved, mm-hmm. but people have run out of relationships mm. completely. They burned every bridge. Nobody wants to have anything to do with them. And, uh, and then there they are. Mm-hmm. And a lot of these guys are receptive to hear something, to get a message of hope. And so it's a, it's a wonderful opportunity to share Christ. And it's very rewarding to see somebody um, where the Holy Spirit is working in somebody's life and you see them change. Mm. And it's also frustrating when people leave under bad circumstances or get kicked out. But one thing we'll see is somebody that will get kicked out and they'll come back two years later or a year later mm-hmm. and they've got wife, kids, job, they're in church. Wow. And so you see that maybe something we planted or watered, you know, that God did the increase later. And so. Those are always cool stories. It's always yeah. great. And oh, that's, yeah. you know, I told uh, my friend Brian, I said, how do you do this? Isn't it frustrating? Because uh, we don't get a whole lot of success mm-hmm. comparatively. Mm-hmm. And when he mentioned that, I thought, well, you know, then I've been able to see it happen. And, that, and that's no reflection of the ministry. That's just. That's addiction. That's just the, the reality yeah. of recovery. Right. Yes. You know. Yeah. So, I mean, it's just difficult, you know, the road that we lead uh, or, or we go down in recovery is there's not a huge success rate. Mm-mm. There's not. It's uh, not, a, not a lot at all. Yeah. 
So, um, James, this is something I know that, that Jason did not prep you for because no. I just know Jason uh -oh. for this. Um, at the end, as we come to the end of every, oh, <laughs> oh, no. at the end of every, uh, as we come to the end of every um, show with a guest, we ask them four questions. Okay, here we go. Um, now, usually we give these questions in advance because <laughs> oh, no. uh, um, you can, some of them take a little more thinking, but okay. I can tell from talking to you already, this is not going to be a big deal for you. Oh, no. So that's well, the reason I chose, I chose to go ahead and go through these. All right, here we go. So um, here's the four, uh, final four questions. Okay. Um, number one, can you name a book other than the Bible a movie or a podcast that has changed the way you look in an area of your life? Um, R.C. Sproul's The Holiness of God. Mm. I told you he was going to nail this. Uh, I don't, I'm not really allowed me to understand just what a horrible creature, human being I am. It also took the exposition of Leviticus last semester, but in how great God is. Mm. And uh, that really got me a lot. Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis mm -hmm. was another one. I couldn't and, read it, or, man. I just, I, I tried. Everybody has talked about how great it is. I couldn't stick Orthodoxy with it. Orthodoxy by G.K. Chesterton. Uh, he's wonderful. And I'm, I read, I'm reading something. I know it's brilliant. I read, a, I can catch on a little bit and I've just worked my way through it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. James asked me la uh, last semester, we were reading. Uh, augustine mm. and it was he was like he was like you get you get this and i was just sitting there like oh i mean kind of yeah sort of yeah I, I seriously <laughs> feel like i'm in the wrong room right now with what y'all were spitting off well anyway so that was it probably the holiness of god by sprawl cool all right number two here we go this one usually takes requires a little more thought but it's, it's not difficult don't get don't get uptight okay all right number two if you had a blank billboard to share advice with the world what phrase would you put on it see the, don't I, give up probably yeah. don't that's, give that's up. a good one especially yeah. on, in the minute there yeah um don't give up yeah because um, obviously you didn't, right? And God didn't ever gave up on you. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So now this one may or may not relate well with you, but I believe it will because you said you've been to a lot of twelve step programs. Yes. So number three, when talking about the twelve steps, what is your favorite step? Number eleven. We sought by Salt prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God. Mm-hmm. I agree. I paraphrase that probably. Yeah, no, no, I think it. you nailed Maybe it. I just nailed it. I, yeah, I think you got it. 11. Yeah. It, it shows you that was the 15th rehab. We remembered that one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I always said, I always messed up when I would read it, and I would say through prayer and medication. <laughs> Sometimes that too. Sometimes well, that's that what too. I was thinking about. Y'all kept talking about Yosemite or whatever, however you say that. Y'all both had to be high wanting to go up there looking for this spiritual experience. Nah. There's no way I would climb on top of that mountain. We're looking at a, a picture of where they climbed on the wall and so there, there just had to be something there like i haven't met somebody from the south that's been out there to climb so that's fantastic oh yeah, yeah. well we got lots more climbing stories uh, yeah i mean i'm just telling you over. when i was on dope climbing a mountain was not on my list of do, to do's <laughs> was never there yeah all right so this is the, the final one and um you, you you can use this or not use this. Okay. I really don't care. And normally, it's an email what people give rather than a phone number. But okay. um, it's simply, how can people reach you? They can reach me by my email address, which is jsrrobinson1 
one at gmail so there's two r's jsr my initials and then my last name robinson number one email yeah from time to time our our listeners they'll hear a story they can relate to and so they'd like to reach out with a person they just heard the story from i would love that i like i can help out in any way well, obviously, if, if you're doing work and ministry now, uh, helping others, I would figure you would want to throw it out there. Yeah, so. if there's some men struggling uh, and need some help, then they can contact us at Brother Brian at 205-322-0092, and we'll get you in for an interview. And, um, you know, it's a it's a good place to get some help if you need it. So so they, do, do so, they offer, is it a treatment facility yeah, there? It's or? a... It's a in-house or inpatient i guess in client program um that is designed hopefully to help someone learn to live a a disciplined life under the lordship of jesus christ and you don't have to be a christian to go there Mm -hmm. but it's um it's a nine-month program it's the four different phases and uh it's it's wonderful i think you see a lot of men and my thing is this is, is i don't push christianity on them i said don't come in here and tread water, watch TV. At least learn to reject Christ or to receive him. But mm. isn't it worth knowing one way or the other? Mm. So get in it and read and don't be a wimp like I see a lot of guys do. And I try to tell them <laughs> and just sit there, you know, and ease through it. Because why are you there? Yeah. You know, man up. Right. Study and either say yep or no. It's funny you say disciplined um, because most folks in active addiction, that's the last thing they're looking for, but mm. it's the first thing they need. Yeah. Um, with me, I know that's something I, I really needed, some structure in my life. Mm-hmm. And um, it wasn't until I began getting some of that until my life got better. You know, I was able to live life on life terms once I found some discipline and structure in my life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, and I like, I like structure. And, uh, I like routine now. Mm. I have I agree. A routine I go through. Yeah, well, me and Jason are very routine to uh, people. I am too. I love it. Yeah. And I, when I get out of sync, you know, it really, or if my prayer life gets off or something, mm. then it really, and I think it's God reeling me back. Right. You mm. know. Well, James, we thank you for coming out and sharing your story of hope with others. Um, I hope that. Um, you receive just as much of a blessing as we have through this and our listeners. Well, I'm honored you have me, guys. Thank you very much. If there's anything we can do um, from this point forward, you let us know. We'll be glad to help you. Uh, Jason, I believe um, that's enough to call it another show. Yes. Thank you so much, James. All right. Well, I'm Roger. I'm Jason. We're signing out. Thanks for listening to Soberholic with Roger and Jason. If you like the show and want to know more, check out SoberholicPodcast.com. Please remember to leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. See you next week, Soberholics.